and welcome to the latest entry in the King of Games 1992 tournament, the very scientific and entirely not subjective competition in which we ultimately determine the best game of the year 1992. And if I do say so myself, 92 is in fact a banger, as the kids say, perhaps it slaps. I don't know. <laughs> is that still relevant? I'm not sure. At any rate, relevant. we're here. And as the title might suggest, we are in fact talking about two, well, one Titan and one maybe kind of, <laughs> I'm not setting the tone for anything, but The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, and Kirby's Dreamland for the Game Boy. And I am joined today by two esteemed members of this very professional panel. I have with me Josh from the Still Loading Podcast. Hello, Josh. How's it going? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you again for having me on. This is my second Zelda episode, so hopefully I can actually bring something new to this conversation. <laughs> oh, all right. Great. Well, glad we could give you this opportunity to, uh, you know, expand your Zelda horizons or just find new ways to shit on it. I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> it could be either one. And then, of course, on the other side of this definitely real table, I have Eric from the Unlockables podcast. Hello, Eric. How is it going? Hello, Shane. Hello, Josh. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure and honor to join on this podcast with two uh, esteemed gentlemen such as yourselves. But I must admit, I am here for an alternative reason. Nintendo, Ooh. why is his hair pink? Tell us why his hair is pink. It is time for you to reveal your secrets. You have not said silence for 30 years. It's time for you to finally tell us why Link has pink hair. That is why I'm here. <laughs> I think it's funny too because I've heard about like people will have asked like Miyamoto or like people from Nintendo and they're always like, his hair's not pink. They, they just like gaslight everyone into thinking that his hair wasn't just pink or purple or whatever. Nintendo's like, no, you're the crazy ones. <laughs> We're the Please same understand. Ones. That never happened. <laughs> But yes, it's it's an honor to be here. I'm doing great, and um, I love both your guys' shows. Huge fans. So to podcast with you guys is is awesome. I'm very excited for this episode. Fantastic. All right. Well, if you, dear listener, are here with us right now, then I'm going to go out on a limb and uh, assume that you kind of know how this thing works, unless you're just insane and decided to <laughs> jump in in round two of a tournament. But I don't know, maybe you just really wanted to know how, you know, Princess Zelda and Corbo the Destroyer were going to go up <laughs> against one another. Who knows? But uh, in case you're not entirely familiar, I'll give you a quick rundown. So typically how these things are going to go is we will uh, give a little bit of background information about both of the games that are going head to head today, give you some context there. We'll have a little bit of high level discussion uh, about both, and then we'll take a quick break. And then from there, we get into the real meat of the episode. So at that point, we're going to be covering pretty much four major categories and assigning air quotes winners to each one of those um, personally. So we'll each sort of pick which one we think takes that category for us and why. And those categories are critical reception, our personal attachment, the legacy that the game has left behind, and head-to-head, -head, which in this particular context means if someone was to sit you down right now and tell you you could play one of these games, which one would you pick and why? That is not necessarily saying that that is the game that you're going to choose to win this whole thing. It's just which one would you play if given the choice? And then after that, then we have our final verdict where each one of us will ultimately pick 
which game we think should move on in this tournament. And uh, much like whose line is it anyway, ultimately the points don't matter. So we could give every category to one of them and just pick the other one because reasons. I don't know. Anything could happen. It's crazy. And it has been crazy. So I'm I'm interested to see how things go. That's actually how Zelda almost didn't beat Dune 2 in the one of the pre in the previous <laughs> round. It, Dune 2 took a lot of the categories, but uh it ended up yeah. uh, it ended up just, you know, Zelda sneaking on by. I mean, I'm you know what? I I, I got to I got to give it to to Dune 2 for kind of being the underdog there, but you know, I'm glad that it got the representation that I think it deserved. I'm with you on that. I I was I'm pretty sure I don't know if Chris even mentioned it in that episode. I forget now cuz we recorded it a bit ago. But mm. I was the only reason that game even made it into like the top tier, like it made it into the tournament. It wasn't even going to make it into like the buy-in rounds, the play-in rounds. <laughs> I I ranked it so high that it got it into the tournament. So uh I, I'm a little bit of a Dune, even though it's weird. I'm not even like a huge Dune 2 fan. I just, I'm like, I got to give it its due. We have to talk about it. So there we go. Well, I'm I'm definitely glad that you did. Yeah, I think it's, it was an important game for sure. Um, for basically an entire genre. I think we apparently, what it needed. Apparently not as important as Zelda though. <laughs> <laughs> no. Apparently not. Much to the <laughs> chagrin of at least a few people in this tournament that I'm aware of. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, but at any rate, with all of that being said, uh, I suppose we should probably go ahead and just kind of like jump into this thing. So let's talk a little bit about the background information for both of these games. And we're going to start with The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which is, of course, for the Nintendo SNES or Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It was released in North America on April 13th, of course, of 1992, and uh, Europe saw it in September, uh, September 24th, actually. It was developed and published by Nintendo. Uh, regarding critical reception and sales, it's, um, it's pretty good. It's, pre- it's pretty up there, as it turns out. Game rankings aggregate of about 93%, which is a pretty healthy score. Uh, we have a handful of contemporaneous scores from the time, with Famitsu giving it a beefy 39 out of 40, which I'm honestly not surprised because it's Famitsu. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, EGM, or Electronic Gaming Monthly, gave it a respectable 35 out of 40. GamePro with a straight 5 out of 5. And Nintendo Power patting themselves on the back with a 4.675 <laughs> out of 5. So there See, you that's, go. That's restraint from Nintendo. number. Yeah. <laughs> It's rare restraint from Nintendo. <laughs> well, it's it's because it's Zelda, right? It's like they're like third stepchild or something. Right. I don't know. <laughs> they show a little bit of restraint. It's an actual favoritism. What's the first two stepchildren? Yeah, I mean, they can only shit on Metroid, you know? They gotta <laughs> exactly. What's the first two stepchildren in this analogy? Because they have their children and then they have stepchildren. So what's the if this is the third stepchild, what are the other two? Oh, boy. Listen, don't try to apply <laughs> logic to literally anything that I'm going to say, okay? I, I stand behind nothing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, awards and recognition. Um, as it turns out, this is maybe a little bit of a long list. Surprise, surprise. But um, some of, the, some of the, the hits, the highlights, if you will. It got Game of the Year from the Chicago Tribune. Um, because newspapers apparently are, <laughs> you know, authoritative sources on games. Best video game sequel from EGM, Nintendo Power, 
in completely eschewing any of their like earlier restraint with a score gave it best graphics, best challenge and best hero <laughs> and also runner up for game of the year. <laughs> Uh, it got best game of all time in 2006 from EGM. It also got the same award from next generation in 99 and popular mechanics in 2019. Uh, it got second best game of all time from G4 in 2012 and IGN in 2019. And finally best game of its generation from game pro in 2009 and Kotaku Australia in 2014. Regarding sales figures, it is estimated that it has sold roughly 4.6 million units worldwide, and it is the seventh best-selling SNES game ever, including bundles, and the third best-selling video game of the year 1992 in the United States, behind only Street Fighter 2 and Sonic 2, which is kind of funny given how this tournament has gone so far. <laughs> uh, so, having said all of that... Legend of Zelda. What do you guys got to say about that at a high level? Some analytical stuff. Anything academic you want to throw out there? Well, first off, I love the fact of the the awards you pulled because it just reeks of... I, this is not indicative of the game, but it really reeks of like when you see a really shitty movie and it's like two thumbs up from your neighborhood's you know local newspaper. Like all these awards seem to be something from <laughs> something of the Chicago Tribune. Not like they have... A, there's a lot of like big publications, EGM, like next generation stuff like that but i just love like kotaku australia like it's these bizarrely specific <laughs> niches where it's like this is the best game not of just all kotaku time. proper but like specifically Only the australian australia. branch europe and america yeah. hated this game australia yeah, fucking terrible. loves it it's like those indie games that like to like abuse the little laurel images and just stick those on their covers <laughs> so it looks like something from like the Cannes Film Festival. But when you <laughs> yeah. actually read them, it's just like random dude on Twitter said this game's all right. That's that's exactly kind of what I was thinking when you were reading off all the awards. I'm like, I wonder if Nintendo just goes down to a local trophy shop and just sends them trophies to put in their trophy cabinet for all these awards they've been giving themselves. <laughs> because, yeah, Nintendo Power just kind of loaded it up there. Uh, and being from Chicago, uh, I've lived there a few years myself. I'm curious to see who this writer is and, and to read that article just for hometown research. So I might have to go and do that. But uh, I, I mean, I don't really know what more can be said. A lot's been said on the, the other episodes. Uh, this game, just based on its war awards accolades scores alone is a juggernaut from this era there's not much more you can say about it and not much more highbrow uh snootiness i can add to the conversation at all so that's fair josh you got anything you want to throw in i was just going to say like it, i just had another joke about those obscure publications i was going to say like <laughs> the official selection of the pencil tucky film festival or something like that. <laughs> it made me think about, uh, I think Shane, you guys just did a, a episode on the worst box art covers. And I believe you we mentioned did. the Arkham game that just had the slew of awards, or maybe Chris <laughs> did, the slew of awards yep. on it. And I was just like, yeah, if that was released today, uh, I remember walking into to GameStop to purchase The Witcher 3 and the complete edition. And on it has a laurel that says over 300 Game of the Year awards. And I'm like, why are so many people giving out Game of the Year awards? That kind of devalues <laughs> the award. Are but these other 300. <laughs> Right. It's, I digress. But uh, yeah, it's just if this came out today, it would be littered. The front of the box art would just be littered with awards, game of the years, this, that and the other best hero, best challenge approved by Nintendo. Thumbs up. But no, in a, <laughs> the Nintendo seal of approval. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this this game is I mean, it, it's 
hell it's revered for a reason even if and it's kind of like something that we came to the consensus last episode as well like when comparing and i don't want to rehash a lot of those points but like i think it's at least worth bringing up here to kind of remind listeners like what was what was like said the last time this game was on an episode that it's a game that even if you don't necessarily enjoy it, you can't help but notice its impact because it's just it's in it's been in the zeitgeist for years. Like it's can and it it's been in the zeitgeist since it released practically. So you can't deny that like it's critical and commercial reception right here. It's just uh, which I gotta get off of quickly because that is one of our uh, categories. But it I, the game's just it's fun. It's still fun to play. I don't have a lot of. I'll, I'll get into my personal experience with it later. But like there's just it's one of those games where it's like it's so hard to find something new to say. But at the same time, when for people who enjoy it, it's so hard to not stop talking about it. Oh sure, and I mean it does have you know that sort of. Nintendo level of polish, right? That we kind of come to expect from a lot of those mm-hmm. things. I mean, the the soundtrack is by and large fantastic. The gameplay is solid. Um, there's some arguments to be made about the actual like combat mechanics and how great those are, give or take. Mm. But but overall, the, you know, it controls the way you expect to control. It's smooth. Um, it's fun to play for the most part. Um, it's got a pretty involved story. It is definitely. An evolution, one might say, from, you know, the the first, the NES era uh, Zelda games, of course, far more the first one than the second one, because Zelda 2 is kind of its own beast in its own way. But yeah, I think you guys are right. You know, I, I don't want to necessarily go too deep into that, because uh, of all the games that we're talking about in this tournament, I think this is one of the ones that doesn't even really need much of an introduction. I think anybody who cares enough to listen to this is pretty well familiar with Link to the Past at this point, even if for nothing else, at least through like social osmosis. Mm-hmm. So probably not too much more we need to say there. You guys know what it is. It's Zelda. With that said, moving along, we have our contender, Kirby's Dreamland for the OG Game Boy. Kirby's Dreamland was released uh, in April 27th in Japan, and then North America got it on August 1st that same year, with uh, the PAL regions getting it shortly after on August 3rd. It was developed by HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo. The game rankings aggregate uh, in terms of critical reception and sales uh significantly lower. I was actually kind of surprised by this, but it is 62%. Um, We don't have many contemporaneous scores available, however, for this one. It's not quite as uh, a prestigious list as Link to the Past had, but we do have All Game giving it a 4 out of 5 stars, and then IGN with a pretty respectable 8 out of 10. In terms of awards and recognition, there was really just the one... Uh, with Game Informer giving it the 14th best Game Boy game overall. And finally, sales figures. Uh, They're actually roughly comparable, as it turns out. Over 5 million copies have been sold of Kirby's Dream Land as of 2010. So a pretty pretty healthy number there. So uh, Kirby's Dream Land, let's see, what is there to say about that? It is, by and large, a pretty straightforward platformer Mm -hmm. for the Game Boy. It's the first, of course, in the series and establishes a number of things. Although, interestingly enough, it is not one that included Kirby's now signature mechanic of eating enemies and stealing their powers. Um, you could still eat enemies. You could vacuum them up. And that was kind of, I think, the one of the big hooks to the whole thing um, outside of pretty 
standard platforming fare, I think. But yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about this from just like a gameplay experiential kind of perspective? Really, and this is uh, much like Josh, this is his second Zelda episode. This happens to be my, my second Kirby episode. So uh, really the thing I think about specifically when I when I think about Kirby's Dreamland is, uh, yeah, it, it's like you said, it's a relatively short game. It's relatively straightforward. It does include a, a sneaky and terrifyingly difficult uh, like new game plus, even though it's not technically what it's called. But uh, mm, yeah. when, when I think of Kirby's Dreamland, uh, I just I kind of default to thinking about Hell Laboratories and the uh, dynamic duo of Masahiro Sakurai and Satoru Iwata, who pretty much led the charge on this game. So um, those two figures from this point on would go to be integral to the future success of Nintendo. So uh, when, when I think about where it all started to to know it came from such humble origins as as Kirby's Dreamland, uh, that, that's that's pretty impressive. It just kind of speaks to the uh, success, despite how simple that this game uh, enjoyed. Uh, shout out to Game Informer for handing out the participation trophy. <laughs> 14th best Game Boy game overall. Like that's, you know, just uh, really thank you, Game Informer, for being inclusive. Like that's really great of you guys. So... It's perfect for the for the back of the box. Fourteenth <laughs> best game in Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> uh, for on on my end, I uh, this game it's it's interesting because for a game that doesn't for a game that started one of the most popular franchises of all time, it's it doesn't get a whole it doesn't get talked about as much. I feel like mainly just because I feel like this is there's a stigma for years not because of Kirby, but anything like handheld games, Game Boy, GBA, DS, like PSP, Vita, a lot of those games are usually pretty overlooked by the public at large. Game Boy is the only library that really has any sort of like widespread love just because Game Boy sold so insanely high. And that was, usually, you know, due to Tetris and whatnot. But I, it, I feel like this game doesn't, you know, it's not talked about nearly as much, even though it came out in the same year because it came out on the Game Boy. And that's not necessarily a slam against it. It's just people don't look at the Game Boy. So much so, um, you know, Jeremy Parrish of Retronauts, he started Game Boy World because no one was talking about the Game Boy. It's, I would say now people talk about Game Boy games a lot more than they used to. But still, it's not something that's like... Like when when people talk about video games, they don't necessarily bring up their favorite Game Boy games. They bring up their favorite console games, and I so I feel like this game has been overlooked for a while, mainly just because of the maybe not so much a stigma anymore. It's just it's overlooked now. Like I don't think handheld gaming has mobile gaming now has the same stigma that handheld gaming has. But uh, handheld gaming in general, I'd say that stigma is. For, for the most part gone. I will say before we, you know, dive into all the topics, it is worth noting the name where the name Kirby comes from because this isn't mm. dealing with the legacy that of what the the game brought up, brought about in our personal opinions, but it's you know, I'm sure it was brought up in the last episode, but just in case there's listeners who aren't aware, Kirby is named after an attorney named John Kirby who represented Nintendo in their uh Universal versus Nintendo lawsuit where Universal tried to sue them for the name Donkey Kong because they were saying it was a copyright infringement on their movie King Kong. 
And long story short, that Nintendo won that case, which is why John Kirby is so revered among in Nintendo's world. And he got a whole game named after him. He was allowed to name any boat he wanted Donkey Kong, which what a weird, like, <laughs> what a weird, <laughs> just what gift. I always wanted. Just what I always was wanted. That, was that in his terms and agreement when Nintendo <laughs> was signing the contract to ha- have him on retainer? It's like, I get to name any boat I want. <laughs> it was a thank you. They gave him like a $30,000 boat, like yacht or something. Oh my God. Um, and it was a, sorry, a $30,000 sailboat. And, and I quote exclusive worldwide rights to use the name for sailboats. So he <laughs> specifically for that, nothing, nothing else, else, just he sailboats. Can use, he can, but it's a sailboat. Not, you can't do like a speedboat or a yacht though. It's no, specifically, specifically a, sailboat. a sailboat. Canoes right out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't name a canoe Donkey Kong. That would be Donkey Kong Jr. Right. For a canoe. Exactly. <laughs> That's Diddy Kong. That's Diddy Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and the reason he just, I always find it interesting, his, the way he won that, that lawsuit was that he was able to prove that Universal didn't have any grounds to stand on because they were sued for making a Donkey Kong movie and they, and Universal was able to prove Donkey Kong is in the public domain. So, if Donkey Kong's in the public domain, you can't sue somebody over something in the public domain. It just doesn't work that way. So he won the lawsuit, and we have the name Kirby for this lovely pink fluff ball that we have here. Balloon or whatever I it is. I also feel like in some way that's also just the story of Disney trying to sue people. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff in the public domain. Absolutely true. I mean, <laughs> I, if I, I kind of regret not going to law school now so I can be paid in ridiculous ways as well. I mean... Man, knowing that I have objectively the most terrifying Nintendo creature named after me, that would be an honor, honestly. I could think of no higher honor. <laughs> now, if you all were give, if you became lawyers and represented Nintendo and won some big some big lawsuit, what naming rights would you want for your boats and which boat would you get? Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was not prepared for this at all. I wasn't expecting this to go here either. I don't even have an answer well, for myself. Well, seeing as I can never afford a yacht, a yacht's probably out of the question unless Nintendo gives me a yacht, no, no, which I don't think they would. We didn't put any stipulations on this. It could be whatever kind of boat you want, whatever kind of boat you want and what naming rights, like which game, which Nintendo like game or franchise or character would you get those exclusive naming rights for, for that specific kind of boat? Oh man, I, you're going to put me on the spot. I'm going to think it's something I'll tell stupid. You, I'll tell you what I would do. I would do Samus. Samus would just be name the name. it the Samus. Just Samus. I was trying to think of some other name for Metroid, but like I don't want to name a boat like SR388 or something. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really roll off the tongue quite no. as nice. <laughs> um, so I would name it Samus and maybe, uh, I mean, Samus wears a lot of armor, so it would be like a, <laughs> a cruise ship. <laughs> Got a lots of different options. Jesus. Painted red and orange. <laughs> How like awful it. would that be, like, sailing up along the coastline? This giant red and orange, like, what is this, Southwest Airlines? Like, what's going on here? Exactly. I feel like the first, I say the first thing that came to mind for me was just, like, a, like a matte black speedboat called Bullet Bill. <laughs> I kind of like that's that, dope. actually. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, <laughs> I thought of a old wooden pirate ship called Charge and Chuck. I like it. Nice. Because that's Actually, the uh, I thought about charging Chuck. Yeah, that's the first enemy when I was three that I ever died to playing a video game. So he holds a special place in my heart. 
That is an incredibly specific memory. <laughs> it I, it do is. Do you really indeed. want to name a boat after something that was your first memory of death in a video game? Like, how is that? Yes, gonna, Josh. Is that an omen for the rest He's of tempting? Your, fate. Yes, Josh. <laughs> I'm tempting fate. Exactly. <laughs> uh, All right. But, well, uh, yeah, yeah, John Kirby. God bless him. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, I suppose with all of that out of the way, um, we are going to go ahead and take our first break. And then when we come back, we are going to jump right into our categorical discussion and uh, start assigning definitely meaningful points to all of these <laughs> games. So catch us on the flip side. As I promised, we are going to begin our discussion on each of the four categories that we will be rating these games against. We are going to start things off with critical reception, and I'm going to punt over to Eric to start this one off for us. So what are your thoughts on critical reception between Zelda and Kirby? Well, you, you, I have it down as commercial and critical reception, right? So just kind of looking True. at your, your brief notes that you provided to Shane, thank you very much. Uh, if you're just on the commercial side alone, th this one's actually pretty close. And if Kirby initially outselling uh, Link to the Past by half a million copies, it looks like, as of the aggregate numbers. Uh, but as we know, it's commercial and critical reception. So... It's numbers, sales do not win uh, a category alone. And I think just based on the critical reception alone, I think I have to give it to Link to the Past. I think that the trucks were rolling up to Nintendo with trophies just unloading in their lobby with with all the heaps and the praise and the accolades that, that this game got. A rather lengthy list that Shane laid out for us. Uh, the Chicago Tribune getting in on the action for some reason. <laughs> Must have been a bad football season for the Bears and just losing the all the time. But uh, yeah, I digress. Uh, I think that it's it's I don't think I have to spend too much time on it. This is a game that has near universal acclaim in, in almost every corner. Uh, it did back then. It does now. Even on modern contemporary lists, 2019s, it is listed as the second best, the best game of all time, with many people even saying uh, it is the best Zelda of all of them, even against Ocarina of Time. So uh, Link to the Past is, is definitely the more uh, critically received game by far, uh, despite the fact that I think Kirby is just as well as designed as Link to the Past. It's just the, the, when it came out, this game was was a juggernaut. And just trying to put myself in the shoes of 1992, having a game like Link to the Past come out in 92 must have blown a lot of people's minds. Yeah, for sure. Sure. And I mean, on, on the point about, you know, a lot of folks considering it to be the, the best Zelda game above even Ocarina of Time and I guess more recently Breath of the Wild, I would say that uh, people are entitled to be wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, and with that, I guess I'll go next. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, for not echoing a ton of the same sentiments, suffice to say, um, I think the sales numbers certainly speak for themselves. I think they're on roughly even footing there, but ultimately it is really hard to compete with the reception 
that Link to the Past got and continues to get from people to this day. Um, it's huge. It was huge. It continues to be huge. And I really don't think there's too much of a comparison to be made in this particular category. So without a lot of elaboration, I think I got to give it to Zelda as well. I would say I think it's even worth noting that, I mean, it's, I'll, I'm just going to be straight up honest now. It's going to go to Zelda for me as well. But I think there's something to be said too about the commercial reception I understand that Kirby technically sold a little bit more based off those figures. However, mm -hmm. I still consider Zelda a bigger commercial success for this reason only. Look at the look at the attach rate for the game compared to this number of systems sold. There was, mm -hmm. according to Wikipedia, so you know, take that for what it's worth, there was 49 million Super Nintendos sold, and there was 118 million Game Boy slash Game Boy Colors sold. So when you look at that 5 million copies out of 118 million Game Boys versus a little, like, 4.5 million copies out of basically four, or 49 million, you're looking at basically every one out of 10... NES Super Nintendo owners owned A Link to the Past versus it's like, I don't even know, one out of every 20, one out of every 30 for Game Boy owners owned uh, Kirby. I, that's, I'm completely guesstimating that. I have no idea. I didn't do the math on it, but obviously the attach rate is <laughs> going to be lower when you have 5 million out of, 100, out of 120 effectively. So even though technically it sold more, I think it's more important to note the attach rate because that ratio is more telling of how commercially successful a game was and just by ratings and i mean i'm gonna I'm, I'm kind of actually with you on this shane i'm i don't think a link to the past is the best zelda i'm nowhere near an, a zelda expert even though i've this is my second zelda episode that i've been on um but it's <laughs> out of the zeldas that i've played um i i think it's more or less just hard to determine uh, you know, I well, I'll just say this: a lot the other Zeldas, I think, definitely learn from what Link to the Past did, and we'll get into more of that when we get to Legacy. But I'm with you that I don't think it's the best Zelda either. Uh, but yeah, no, it's got to go to Zelda. I mean, commercial and critical reception. It just, it. I mean, there's not. This is the shortest segment for a reason. You just look at how many reviews everything got and how what the sales numbers are, and it's that's that. It's, it's commercial and critical reception definitely goes to Zelda. I have to put in there, too, that I also agree with both of you guys that I don't think it's the best Zelda. Uh, I have purposely wired my chair to elicit an electric shock to not mention at all the Zelda title that comes uh, out in 2017. So uh, to avoid that conversation completely. But uh, <laughs> and I think, too, uh, Shane has a really nice bullet point in here, too, that even further shifts the needle in the in the, the commercial reception for Link to the Past. Uh, it was a third best selling game of 92 behind Street Fighter 2 and Sonic 2. Street Fighter 2, which in my understanding, single-handedly extended the age of arcades a few more years by itself. And Sonic 2 that basically sold uh, Sega consoles uh, for Sega. So mm -hmm. I think to have it be the third best selling game behind two really really absolute juggernauts uh two games that were also in this tournament is, is just another nail in the coffin that, that i didn't think about until after i scrolled back up and saw the notes so <laughs> yeah and also i mean josh brings up a really good point about the attach rate too um because when you compare those numbers it actually is far more telling as far as the like the popularity is concerned mm -hmm. and i know and interestingly enough and this is just going to segue right into it so i'll kick the next one off which happens to be personal attachment with such a high attach rate in Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, 
I apparently was one of those people who didn't have it. <laughs> um, I, I had a Super Nintendo and I never owned Link to the Past. I think I might have rented it on a couple of occasions. And at one point, and this was later on down the line, I borrowed it from a friend, borrowed the cartridge. Might also still be the cartridge that I have to this day. So sorry <laughs> to that friend. But uh, yeah, I, I never had it. And actually, like I, the personal attachment thing for this one for me is interesting because I admittedly don't have much for either when it comes down I'm to I'm actually it. with you on that. Yeah, I, uh, I I became a fan of Zelda as a series later on. Um, but Cards on the Table, Ocarina of Time was my game. That was basically like my entry point really into the Zelda series. And it's the one that I've played the most out of all of them. So I kind of missed this and I definitely missed the first two. Um, not even so much of an age thing. It was just when I was playing Super Nintendo, Zelda and the style of game that Zelda is wasn't really the style of game that I was into at the time. Like I was very much just into straight like platformers or action games and stuff like that. The I hadn't quite gotten as deep into RPGs as I am now and have been for some time. So I kind of gave this one a pretty wide miss, like not purposefully, it just kind of happened. And as far as Kirby is concerned, Kirby's never been particularly interesting to me as, <laughs> as a character. I mean, he's, listen, he's cute, okay? The, he's got the kawaii thing going for him, and I can appreciate that. And I have enjoyed Kirby titles further on in the future, uh, but it took me a very long time to come around to any Kirby game. I'm actually struggling to think what the first one was that I played. And I want to say, actually... It might have been this one, but it was like way after the fact, like I emulated it like 10, 15 years later or something because I was like, oh yeah, that was a game. I should check that out. But I guess if I had to pick one it, for me, I think the personal attachment thing is probably still going to go to Zelda just because I, I think if for nothing else, I think overall I have more of a personal attachment to the series as a whole. And I definitely experienced Link to the Past first and a bit more in depth than I ever did, well, with almost any Kirby game, but mm -hmm. especially Kirby's Dreamland. So I think it's Zelda for me. Let's see. We'll we'll change up the order a little bit. So uh, bounce it over to Josh. What what are your thoughts on your personal attachments? So like I said at the beginning of, of your part is that I also don't have a lot of personal experience with either of these. I... Um, mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with a Super Nintendo. I had a Game Boy sort of as a kid. I mainly used it to play Pokemon, like a lot of kids back in the 90s. Um, and it, it wasn't until I got into game, like really got into gaming, like liking game history and liking older games that I was like, oh, the first Kirby game was on Game Boy? Huh, that's interesting. Like I, it, I would have been three when this game came out. So like the, my personal attachment for the year wouldn't have done anything. I would, I would have been, fuck, I wouldn't fucking known anything that was happening in 1992 really. So I, my personal attachment is really low for both of these. I think the first time I played Link to the Past was a couple of years ago. I, me I mentioned this in uh, last episode, so I'm going to keep my 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 personal experience with Link to the Past short. Um, 
but yeah, I, I played a couple years ago. I really enjoyed it. Like I legitimately enjoyed it. I do think it's better than Ocarina of Time personally. And Ocarina of Time was my first Zelda. I I mean, Ocarina of Time is just 3D Link to the Past. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh huh. That's fine. But with that said, it's still not my. It's still. I don't think it's the best one. Now I want. I I want to get your guys' opinion on something before I move over to my personal memories of Kirby. Mm. When we did the episode for the last for the last link to the past episode with Dune Two, Chris mentioned that he's not a big fan of the Zelda formula. He's not a big Zelda fan, and that's totally fine. But his whole argument was that when Breath of the Wild came out, everyone was praising it for breaking away from the Zelda formula, and that was the reason why Link to the Past is not a good game. I find that logic very flawed. Personally, I, I went into that episode where. I, I, I can explain why that I, I if someone's curious I can go I can either re-explain it or just you can go back and listen to that episode. But what do do you agree with that? I, I personally don't, but I want to get your guys' takes. So what he said was that Breath of the Wild people are praising Breath of the Wild because it was different than the typical Zelda formula, and that's why Link to the Past is bad. Because that because Link to the Past created that formula. Like is the formula. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, um, mm, I don't know, because I, I think in some ways you can make an argument that Breath of the Wild is more like the first Zelda in that it's a lot more open-ended and kind of just drops you in and says, like, you know, it's dangerous, go, here you go, take a thing. Um, so in that regard, I guess I could see that. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that logic. I have my own reasons why I don't necessarily... <laughs> like link to the past as much um i guess you know what it's it's probably somewhat related to personal attachment so screw it why not without going on like a soapbox rant or anything because i i I may be prone to do that on occasion i don't know uh pulls out soapbox from the corner right yeah this this just happens to be here um but no i i have never finished link to the past oh not for lack of trying, however. And that is because I thoroughly dislike the mechanic of basically giving you the entire game served in a slightly different fashion for an entire back half of the experience. It's part of the reason that I have held the longstanding belief that Symphony of the Night would be an even better game if it was half as long <laughs> because unlike apparently a lot of people and I, I've, I have come to know that evidently this is a spicy take. So whatever. <laughs> but as soon as I hit the upside down castle portion in symphony of night, most people apparently get there and they're like mind blown. They're like, Oh my God, it's like the same castle, but it's upside down. <laughs> And like you, you explore the whole thing again and that's crazy and i'm like yeah great when i got there i was just like oh, i just did this so. except right side up right i'm like okay so i have to go through the same areas again just kind of different and like i don't want that to denigrate like the effort that went into designing a castle that works both upside down and right side up that's actually pretty impressive credit where credit mm-hmm. is due it's less of the mechanics and more of the feeling of it. And that's the same thing with Link to the Past, which is you get to like, you know, alt Hyrule. And that is the point shortly thereafter, 
time varies, but at some point shortly after that, I usually just end up dropping the game. And I thought a lot about this this morning, actually, prior to this episode, and I came to the conclusion that I think the reason that I drop off games when they do this is because it is an interruption in the natural progression of the game in my in my mind. Um, where like most RPGs, I if I'm getting just continually pushed along and like you're leveling or whatever, you're gaining new items, you're doing whatever, blah, 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 you're discovering new areas, fantastic. That's great. Like that's gonna keep me engaged. And I feel like there's a constant upward mobility, right? Mm-hmm. When a game does this, even though technically you are still progressing, such as it is, it feels to me like a hard pivot point that breaks the flow. And if you break that flow of progression, I, I you lose me. That's the point where I'm just like, okay, well, I feel like I could stop here and I'd probably be fine. And that's usually what ends up happening. So anyway, that's my feelings on why I think Link to the Past is not the best. <laughs> game. Anyway, thank uh, you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry. So Eric, yeah. Anything you want to add to that? <laughs> uh, just to briefly touch on on Josh's question, um, I, I can I think I can understand where Chris is coming from. I think Link to the Past is, is a fine game, a good game in its own right, and I don't uh, I don't hate it for all the reasons that Shane laid out. But uh, yeah, when I look back at and I guess this, I'll just wind this in with my personal history. Uh, I had always kind of had an intersecting like crossing in life with Zelda. I had played it at certain points and missed certain games, but then briefly touched other games. It's it's very strange how I've like had like just very small tangents of connection with this game series throughout my life. Uh, I played the Oracle games on Game Boy. I briefly played Ocarina. Uh, I didn't play Majora until much later. I've never played Wind Waker. I've never played Twilight Princess. I briefly played Skyward Sword, and then I played Breath of the Wild for probably like 300 hours. So <laughs> I've had a very weird like tangential intersection with this series as a whole. Um, and the one thing I, I kind of got out of, of why Breath of the Wild I think was so beloved was, yes, and this will come into the legacy and the replay value and stuff like that later in, in the episode, but Link to the Past, I, I couldn't help but notice in my playthrough and just hours of the YouTube rabbit hole watching video essays on all the Zelda games and all this stuff and just all the the knowledge that you've picked up through just hearing over the years how great Zelda is and about and what it's all about. Uh, I think that Link to the Past is is solely responsible for establishing the Zelda formula that we've come to know and love and slash or hate for better and for worse sometimes. Uh, I having played the original Zelda and realizing that how much freedom that is when Miyamoto originally designed that game, he said that he got the idea from exploring caves around his house and he just wanted a game where players could explore Mm -hmm. and link to the past kind of introduces this thing where, uh, they start to put markers on a map and they want you to go to these super specific places. And it feels a little bit more like a guided tour rather than the open exploration. Not saying that necessarily makes the first Zelda a great game because I think that game has a litany of issues uh, on its own. But I think when people see, that Breath of the Wild kind of brought that back, even though it is still kind of a little bit guided experience, but it gives you the openness to approach any part of the game in any order you want uh, in any amount of progress that you want. Like you can get off a great plateau and just go fight Ganon with a mop if you want to, which is <laughs> insanity, but also awesome. So I think I kind of understand where Chris was was coming from from that point. It's like 
if you're going to make a game that's all about like exploring the adventure and the secrecy and the mystery of it, like, yeah, there were a lot of things linked to the past that I found were really cool discovering on my own. I do agree with Shane, though, once I got to like the the upside down uh, Stranger Things Hyrule <laughs> and I kind of got to like the second or third dungeon through there, I was like, man, I'm really dragging with this game now. Like, I feel like I've experienced it. Uh, something else I'll bring up, too, is like I ran around this fucking map like 47,000 times looking for stuff uh, and I've <laughs> yeah. warped back and fourth probably thousands of times so i, I can kind of get it um but like i said uh my personal attachment just to get back on track with that i played breath of the wild that got me like back into playing zelda and now i've been going back and playing your ocarina of zero i played the um link's awakening remaster for the switch and now i've this is the first time at 31 years of age playing a uh, link to the past and to see the legacy of how link to the past established the zelda formula that made this franchise so successful was really cool my personal attachment, uh, just right off the you know, is going to go to Kirby because I played more of Kirby when I was younger. I experienced Kirby. I actually, just fun fact, and I mentioned on the last episode too, not to of Kirby, not to get too long winded here, but uh, I originally hate, fucking hated Kirby's Dreamland <laughs> because I played Kirby. I played Kirby Superstar first, and uh, I, I regard Superstar. I think Superstar is a sneakily underrated game on the Super Nintendo. I think that game is fantastic. I think that and Nightmare in Dreamland on the GBA is the absolute pinnacle of Kirby. And so when I got Dreamland for uh, my Game Boy, and I was playing it, and I was like trying to suck up monsters and get their abilities i was like well this is bullshit like i can't do the thing that i did in superstar i hate this but then when i went back and played it for the the king of games i realized it's actually a really despite how simple it is and despite the limitations of the hardware iwata uh sakurai and hal did a really good job making a really well put together game with the hardware limitations that they had and so just because of that uh and just having a little bit more personal attachment to the to the series and the franchise as a whole, I'm going with Kirby for my personal attachment. All right. What I wanted to follow up on, though, since we, uh, in regards to the question I asked about, like, what were your thoughts with, like, Chris's opinion on that, my argument that I made on the episode against it was that the Zelda, like, it's one thing to not like the formula. Totally understandable. That's, like, that's total preference. But... It, it was so successful that it it spent the next like what 20 years doing the same formula over and over again so like to use breath of the wild as the reasoning that the formula is bad makes no sense because it now if it was like a link to the past and then breath of the wild immediately afterwards and everyone was like oh thank god we're away from that link to the past formula 100 percent and, and mm. I would almost arguably that's what uh, that's what uh, Zelda Two is like. They tried it that one time; it didn't do as well. Not saying it's <laughs> and a bad people game, hated people it. People didn't <laughs> like it as much. And uh, then you know they went to you know Link's Awake or Link to the Past, excuse me. And they're like, oh, thank God, it's no long. It's kind of back to what we sim. It's a similar feeling to what we know of the first game. But that's not what happened with Link to the Past. Link to the Past, you know it created and this is a little bit with uh legacy but i there's more that i can talk about with legacy afterwards but like it's not what you know that's not what happened with link to the past link to the past was so successful the formula was so popular that we it took 20 years to get away from that formula i would say like what 9 to 2013 when uh a link between worlds came out is when they first finally kind of started breaking free of the shackles of what link to the past did and that's not to vilify link to the past formula but it's just like that's kind of like you know they iterated on it just uh, without making any huge changes i do find it kind of funny 
that we're probably going to get a lot of shit for this episode because we have we're three people <laughs> who aren't deifying a link to the past. <laughs> True. You know, <laughs> which you could say we're making a little bit more critical look with this. Let the haters come. Right. Yeah. I mean, while we're on that topic, um, just to fully ensure that I rile everybody up, uh, <laughs> Link Between Worlds is a bitter link to the past. There. I said it. No, I would agree with that. I think, 100%. A, I think a lot of Zelda fans actually do agree with you. Uh, from well, some, good. some of the ones that I've listened to. At least. <laughs> what I was going to say, though, real quick, is for my own personal attachment to Kirby, to, to bring that whole thing back to... Oh, full circle. <laughs> circle. Oh, right. That's what we were talking <laughs> That's about. That's how this whole thing started. Um, mm. I uh, My personal attachment with Kirby is even less than Zelda. My first Kirby game was actually Kirby Mass Attack for the DS. And I never actually beat it because you, I, what did, what did I, something made me rage quit. It was that I went through the whole game, but to get to like the final level, you had to be perfect on every other single level in order to unlock the final level. Like you, because with mass attack, you have a shitload of Kirby's that you have to bring from point A to point B from the beginning of the level to the end. And you have to complete the level to, you know, get the best quality, like the, get to perfect the level you have to complete it with a certain number of kirby's and so i go to the final one and, and it's like you need you need to perfect every single level you need to complete every level with the minimum with the expected amount of kirby's not just finish level finish it with those kirby's and i'm like well that's fucking stupid because why would you even <laughs> let me finish the level if i can't beat the game without perfecting the level like make me fail state the level then i in or or have the requirements be just like I have to you know complete with this amount you have to do it and then that's the minimum to move on with the game, so that was my first Ugh. Kirby game. Um, the first game Kirby game I actually beat wasn't until the newest one, Forgotten Land, and I really enjoyed Kirby and Forgotten Land. I thought that was a lot of fun. My experience with this game specifically is kind of limited only because I didn't I don't own it in my collection. Uh, the only way I was really able to tr like try and play it was on uh, my emulator on my phone which is the worst possible way to play any game boy <laughs> game because there's no tactile feel like every time i would try to hit, hit the right i would always hit like up and right so kirby would automatically float up into the the ceiling or whatever the fuck and it was just an oh, it was yeah. nothing no fault of the games it was one of those ones where i'm playing this i'm like this is going to be this would be so much better on the game boy <laughs> the way i'm experiencing it right now so my personal experience it does have to go to Zelda just because I do have more experience with it, but I can like Kirby's still fun, even it, with my shitty experience of it. I don't blame the game <laughs> for that. I blame the way I like the the method in which I played, which was on an emulator, which uh, is totally. I mean, I and I of course I deleted it after twenty four hours, like every good legal right. law abiding I mean, citizen. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Nintendo, please don't do listen yeah. to this episode. <laughs> I, I deleted. I promise, Nintendo. Yeah. But yeah, no, it has to go with it has to go to Link to the Past just for that reason. I do have more experience with Zelda in general than Kirby. All right, that was a unexpectedly chonky personal attention <laughs> section, but we made it. We're here. Uh, <laughs> all right. So moving on from there, uh, we're about halfway through the categories, which leaves us at Legacy, which I think has some some good uh, some good talking points, I think, for both of these, actually. So um, let's start with Eric. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Man, so at passing glance, like if I'm just driving down Main Street and I just see King of Games Kirby versus Zelda, like in the window, passing As glance... You. 
Yes, as I would do, because mm-hmm. this is world-famous franchise now. Uh, I'll expect my royalty <laughs> fees in the mail sometime soon here. But... Uh, if you just drive way. by and <laughs> if you just drive by and see it, to me, like it's obvious that you at first glance you think Zelda gets this category, right? Uh, yeah. I'm just letting you know now, like I'm kind of talking myself through this because I haven't actually decided this one yet. So hang on, <laughs> buckle up for this shit. Buckle up your sit downs, uh, right. listeners. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> when I first think about the legacy of, these, legacy of this game, uh, the teams behind both of these games, despite Kirby being objectively a way simpler game than Zelda. Uh, Zelda, you got Miyamoto, Koji Kondo, Takashi Tezuka, that whole team. Hell, you have Satoru Wada, Masahiro Sakurai, Jun Ishiki, just legendary names at Nintendo. Uh, especially on the Hell side, Sakurai would go on to start Smash Bros. Iwata would go on to lead the company. Uh, both these games are very well designed in their own right. Uh, Zelda is the shining example of what was possible on the NES. I mean, I was just thinking about playing this, like unwrapping this Christmas day in 92, plugging Nintendo and just having this great, fantastic, huge world to explore. That was been like, unlike anything that was seen at the time in that scope and that scale, even with the alternate flipping world and stuff like that. Um, and also having just a really great introduction to video games in Kirby, a simple game that's easy to play, easy to pick up, but Again, like Josh alluded to in his personal information or personal preferences, difficult to master because they throw in really hard, sneaky bullshit in there, too. So the question to me is, what do you value more in Legacy? Both of these things did great things for Nintendo. Link to the Past established the Zelda formula, like Josh alluded to, that sold hundreds of millions of copies of these games going forward from Link to the Past all the way up until Breath of the Wild, which broke that, established a new formula, and now it's going to sell hundreds of millions more. We'll just continue to print money for Nintendo forever. But Kirby, although to a lesser success, established a brand new franchise for Nintendo, a brand new character in their legendary stable, their roster of characters. So to me, it's what do you value more? Do you value the establishment of a formula that made you money or do you value the establishment of a new IP and two of Nintendo's brightest young minds that went on to lead the company for into the the near future? And on paper, you know, just looking at these two franchises, Zelda has literally outsold Kirby by four to one. So it, it's kind of like, it's really what what do you value more? And even now I'm kind of struggling to to kind of make a decision on it. I, I honestly think as, as much as I would want to give it to Zelda, I think I would, in an upset, I have to go with Kirby. I think that I value much higher personally establishing a brand new franchise that has made Nintendo money and has been successful, although to a lesser degree than establishing a a Zelda formula that I enjoy and I like, but other times I also hate. So I think that I'm going to have to go with Kirby. So I, that's a good question, Eric. Like, what do you mean? Like, what defines legacy? I will say by you just picking a personal attachment for the game to kind of like, I don't know how much that would be an objective decision as to like which wins over legacy. With that said, I'm with you on that. It's very hard to determine for this. So here, here's my whole thought breakdown. Link to the Past, you know, cemented the Zelda formula. It We talked about this in the last episode where it's like, you don't really, it's one of those games that's so influential, you can't see a direct line from it, but it influenced so many different things. It influenced so many other creators and game designers and so just musicians, uh, like artists. Like it's influenced so many, it's, it's so important to the culture that it's hard to really pinpoint like what it is its legacy in the culture. With Kirby, it's a little bit it's also hard to pinpoint because while it created a super popular franchise, you know, it helped establish it. 
I also think it's arguably like you could look at the, you mentioned some of the people who worked on it, you know, Sakurai and Satoru Iwata. Sakurai created, you know, went on, like you said, went on to make the Smash Brothers series. And this is his first game. So this is the game that put him on a path towards one of the most profitable franchises. He created two of the most profitable, iconic franchises for Nintendo of all time, Kirby and Smash Brothers. Like he, and he got to start from this. So just without Kirby, how much of an effect does that have in Smash? You know what I mean? Like you could make the argument. I'm not saying Smash would never have existed. It's not like a direct line. Like when I mentioned in the other episode, like Dune 2 to RTS stuff, but like, there is an argument to be made, like how much does Sakurai benefit from his experience in this and how much did that inform his design decisions going forward in the rest of his career with Nintendo so far? And then you have Satoru Iwata, who at the time was still relatively new to, to Nintendo. I mean, he's, he had been around for a couple of years helping Nintendo out with stuff, but he went on to become president. Now, I'm not saying that Kirby's Dreamland is like, there's no like, I feel like Iwata would have become president of Nintendo with or without Kirby's Dreamland, but you can't deny the fact that he, since he worked on it, like there is some effect that it played on him in his role in moving up the company ladder with Nintendo. So it's weird because on one hand you have Zelda linked to the past, like almost a deity in the cultural zeitgeist of video games. And then you also have Kirby, which is a super popular game in the cultural zeitgeist. And it also started the career of one of the most important figures in Nintendo and furthered the career of what became who became their eventual president with Iwata. So like, I, I know I kind of like, you know, like uh, harped on it a little bit like, oh, you just kind of picked like a personal preference. But like, I'm looking at this and I genuinely can't pick it. it it's weird. Like, I know, I know what my, like what my personal preference is, but I don't, I genuinely don't know if you're looking at just like the facts laid out, which one has the bigger legacy. I can't fucking tell you. <laughs> like there's just, I, if you're like, you're saying on the surface, you go with link to the past because that's the more known one. I think I'm going to go against my personal opinion of game and I'm going to go with Kirby. Oh, go with Kirby wow. Okay. I was I was honestly surprised, but you you were able to put it so much more eloquently to the point I was trying to make. It's like, uh, based on my understanding of video game history, at this point in time, Hal was in severe financial uh, straits when they made Kirby and when Satoru Iwata kind of took came in and took over and became president. They made Kirby's Dreamland. Uh, if this game had not succeeded, I'm just imagining what the ripple effect of like Hal going under. Like, or if it gets fully absorbed by Nintendo instead of being like just a subsidiary or whatever, like what, what does that really look like? And, uh, you know, I think my personal preferences might be intertwined in the legacy a little bit, but I look at those two guys that come out of that and I owe, and I'm probably going to sound insane here because we're talking about video games, but uh, Miyamoto single-handedly changed my life because Mario was the first game I ever played. But to think about as large an impact as Iwata and Sakurai have had on my life, Iwata, you know, overseeing some of the most financially successful times at Nintendo during his tenure. Some missteps yet, but the Wii was a juggernaut, whether or not that's real video games or not, that's another discussion for another time. <laughs> and then, you know, Sakurai, you know, 
nearly killing himself multiple times to develop this the Smash Bros series, working crazy long hours, not eating and not taking care of himself. So, yeah, I think just when you look at the spider web that comes out from both of these games to see everybody that it impacted and, and everything that these two games did, I mean, it's kind of easy to overlook that for Kirby. But when I was making the notes and really starting to think about it, that's where I, I was like, this is way closer than I think people realize. I also think it's important to note, we, I focused specifically on my whole long rant. I focused specifically on the people involved. Look at the gameplay as well. Like Kirby's gameplay still holds up now. It's a little janky, but you can see the foundations of what was going to become a formula. It was, it was a game that was meant to be for more casual players. And that's not something you necessarily always saw back then. Like there, you know, you didn't see a game that was a, a platformer designed specifically to be a little bit easier than what most people were accustomed to. And I know the power, you know, the absorbing powers isn't something that occurs in this game, but since this game set up that, that, you know, the franchise, which then eventually that's what became, you know, what Kirby came, became more known for, you know, absorbing enemies and get the, getting their power. I, you could argue that like, that's also a super, like that type of mechanic of, you know, absorbing an enemy to get their, whatever ability they have is something, I mean, I guess Mega Man kind of had that before then. I think I just talked myself out of that point, but <laughs> I'm just thinking about like, have you seen that before? I'm like, oh fucking, yeah, we have Mega Man for fuck's sake. I mean, right. I'm sure there's other shit before that, but at least with the accessibility thing, I'll tackle it from that angle. I think that's at least something to be made aware of too. The gameplay was more accessible to others. And I think that's also a credit to its legacy. And it, it's funny because my heart is still saying a link to the past. Like I'm killing myself for picking Kirby, but I honestly kind of went with, I'll be honest to, to you all listeners. I kind of went with the chaos route with this one. I was like, I'm going to go with Kirby just because fuck it. Yes. I'm, I'm, like I'm so <laughs> like my heart is like, 55-45 for Zelda, but I'm like, you know what? That's still too close. I need to take out my personal attachment, and I'm going with Chaos. That's why I went with Kirby. Alright, well, I'm here to kill Chaos. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say you you actually both make fantastic points. You, you brought up a lot of things that, frankly, I didn't even really consider. So I'm, I'm glad that um, that you did that. And I think that's really important information to take in consideration for this discussion. The tact that I kind of took with it was actually a little bit more geared towards the tail end of what you were saying, uh, Josh, with the the gameplay. Because I tend to, in a lot of these King of Games ones, um, I tend to look at, I think, that more than anything of like, what does this establish for the legacy of the series or the legacy of just games in general? Like, what has it contributed to video games as a whole, right? And mm -hmm. if if... If this was King of Games 93 and we were talking about Kirby's Adventure, this would be a very different discussion. <laughs> um, and That's I feel fair. like it would be a little bit more difficult for me to make the choice. But because it's not, uh, yes, I do agree that Kirby's Dreamland certainly set the stage. Of course, it's the first one. I think that goes without saying. But uh, much in the same way that I may have shot myself in the foot a little bit about <laughs> Diablo 2 during a certain other King of Games run. Um, it's sort of the same logic here where if we had been talking about Lord of Destruction, it would have been a runaway, you know, home run, take all, winner takes all, whatever. But we weren't. We were talking about vanilla Diablo 2. And that's a very different beast. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing here where I kind of feel like with Dreamland, it's not quite 
where it needed to be. And then with adventure, that's really the one that was like, all right, this is Kirby. And that's what we know going forward. Whereas as we've kind of already, you know, elaborated on link to the past is really the thing that cemented this gameplay formula for better or worse for Zelda and for the 80 billion Zelda clones that have been made since then. And for the record, I actually don't have an issue with the Zelda formula. Unlike Chris, I, I actually do enjoy I. it. Like, th- yeah, there have been times where, like, I I actually really like Twilight Princess because it's a very just straightforward Zelda game. It does all the things that I expect a Zelda game to do. It doesn't get too weird. Like, I actually really enjoy it for that reason. So, having said all of that, I would tend to give the legacy point in this case, I think, to Zelda Link to the Past, because I think that's the one that really established the series more so than anything else going forward. You know what I really think tipped it over for me? The boat naming rights. That's what got it for me. <laughs> that, yeah, that would do it. I could see that. Yeah. Should we name Kirby's Dreamland King of Games 92 right now? I mean, that's an un- that's unbeatable point. I mean, I've said no one said we didn't have that power. We could just do that right now. Um. All right. Well, I suppose that only leaves us with one final category, which is head to head. I'll go ahead and kick this one off, I guess. Um, so if I was going to sit down and play one of these two games, what would I pick and why? I will say that even though I have tried to be consistent in my logic for a lot of my decisions for these games, this category, I don't think I ever am. <laughs> Because I think it entirely depends on the two games that we're talking about. Sometimes I'll pick something because I'm like, yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice little romp. I can sit down and play in like 30 minutes. And that's neat because I'm an adult and I got adult things to do. <laughs> and then there are other times where I'm like, yeah, but this other game is super engaging. And I, I would totally sit down and play that right now. So what I'm saying is, is I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But... <laughs> If I was going to pick one, it actually kind of is a difficult toss up and for different reasons. But I feel like I feel like I would actually go with Kirby on this one. I've gone back and forth on it a little bit about what I would pick. And I think because it is just such like a a light experience, like there's not a lot that's going to, you know, make you rage quit or anything. It's fun. It plays well. It's got personality out the wazoo, which is one of the things that Kirby just has for it in general. The music is delightful. So just as a package, um, yeah, I think I would I would sit down with some Kirby's Dreamland. I could rock that out in like what twenty minutes or something, and you know, get on with my day. And and I feel like be be better off for the experience. So that's more play choice. or play hard mode and really hate yourself. If you really want to, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't bother with that. No, I like to keep things, uh, easy breezy and sometimes even beautiful. Absolutely. Not always, but <laughs> sometimes, uh, let's see. I don't know. Where are we going to go next? Who wants, who wants to take it next? Anybody got any takers? It's all you, Josh. All go right. Ahead. Um, oh, so- I didn't say volunteer someone else, but <laughs> well, all right, fine. Yeah, I volunteered him. <laughs> um, I would say for me, I would have to go with Zelda, and I'll I, I and hmm. I believe it or not, it's not because of my personal preference. I guess well, I guess it technically is, but there, uh, here's a specific reason: it's not because I I like Zelda more than Kirby games in general. 
I find Kirby's controls, and I'm not even saying this as someone who, who like I said, I had a shitty experience on my emulator, but I've played, I've played mm. Kirby's Adventure on the NES. Great game. This is not actually a detractor from it. I've never been the biggest fan of the control mechanics of Kirby, how when you hit up, he floats. Like, it's not that that's mm. even bad. It's I don't even think it's a bad design choice. It's just that I find that you have a jump button and then you have a float button. And I don't always think they work well together. I find too often I'm I'm like, I'm screwing stuff up. And I've always kind mm-hmm. of just enjoyed top-down Zelda combat. I, I like that style of gameplay overall. I like Zelda bosses a lot. I think that's one of, the, one of the things that Link to the Past really did, in my opinion, for Zelda in general. And you know what? Uh, to touch on Legacy, I do think it kind of did for gaming in general. They're very good at creating inventive bosses. There's fun. There's a lot of fun mechanics, and even the shitty Zelda games, a lot of them at least have one or two fun bosses that you were that are inventive in some way you weren't really expecting. And that's what I like about Zelda games. The the, the bosses are super inventive, and Kirby the bosses are pretty iconic. Like you know the the tree. I always forget the name of the stupid tree, but the tree that you you see in like almost every fucking Kirby game <laughs> that you know tries to blow you off the map or whatever, or drops apples from it. Like it's it's got iconic moments. The bosses are fun, but I just like Zelda more. I just I enjoy the gameplay. I enjoy the combat more. I prefer Kirby's world a little bit just because like like you're saying, it's got more. I do think it has more personality than Zelda. Mm. Um, Zelda, I think if we're if we're going off just a link to the past, I, I feel like Kirby's more interesting to me. But as Zelda goes on, like like this would be a dumb comparison because they're two separate years, but like wind waker, I think has one of the most fun and interesting worlds of any Zelda games I've ever played. Like I would choose that over Kirby in a heartbeat, but strictly just linked to the past. I, I like Kirby's world more, but I still would rather play Zelda. Now it's more fun to me. Well, that leaves it up to you, Eric. Oh, I already know so where the, very I feel, I feel like record. I know where this is going. Listen, <laughs> listen, none of this has to do with my personal preferences. It's objective. It's, it's really objective thinking and timing about when I played these titles. Okay. So, uh, I mean, listen, I, I enjoy playing both of these games, right? Um, I got over my hatred of Kirby's Dreamland for not being superstar. So that's a, a come to Jesus moment I've had during this tournament, which I think is great. Uh, getting personal to experience growth. Yes. Personal growth. <laughs> I've, I've, I've matured and evolved. I, I like to think I may be a better person now, but I think time will tell. But um, no, I getting to experience Link to the Past for the first time was, th- there was something magical about it. And there was something magical about getting to actually kind of see and understand and be like, oh yeah, like all these things I'm doing, I'm running here, I'm getting items, I'm accumulating an arsenal of weapons, of things to solve puzzles in these dungeons as I explore the world, uh, to kind of see how that formula got its start and kind of establish the traditions of, of the series overall uh, was was very, 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 very cool. But like like Shane mentioned uh, back towards the top of, of these categories and these criteria here, I personally burned out on Zelda about like if it, when you got to the Dark World, like the third dungeon in the Dark World. And I was just kind of like, OK. And at that point, I started feeling like I'm doing a bunch of running around. I'm warping back and forth, trial and error. Like I'm just meandering around, just running around this map fucking 47,000 times over and over and over again, trying to like find where I'm supposed to go, do what I'm supposed to do. And uh, for whatever reason, like I just, I did not enjoy that last like fourth half of my playthrough. Uh, Whereas when I, I, I finished Zelda on Sunday and I played Kirby the next day, I played Kirby yesterday. And I just found myself more delighted, more comforted, more, 
Um, maybe I'm just at that age where I like experience like a more simplistic game play experience or I'm at that point in my life where it's just so busy that I just want something that that's simpler now. I, I don't I don't know what that is. And that's not taking anything away from Zelda. But if I'm picking up a game right now, if I turn this off and I can only in Zelda and Kirby are laid out in front of me, I'm, I'm picking up Kirby to play before I go to bed. So my answer is Kirby. All right. Well, there you have it. So... <laughs> That officially Josh is never us. having me on no, a no, show no. again. I, I was going to say, I do think, I, I think your point about the game being short is a valid one because I feel like, especially for all of us being middle-aged adults, like time is, it's one of those things, you know why Portal is considered one of the best games of all time? It's because it's short. It knows exactly the length it needs to be. And I mm -hmm. do agree with you to a point that A Link to the Past is a little longer than it needs to be, but I feel like that's more of a symptom of us getting older because, for fuck's sake, we don't have as much time as we used to. We got we got adult shit mm -hmm. to deal with. So like having a game that <laughs> having a game that takes like up, get on microphones and talk about video <laughs> yeah, games. exactly really important <laughs> shit. I always think about that. I'm like, you know, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd probably have a lot more time to play these games that I claim I don't have time to play. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, my honey do list would be a lot shorter. That's for sure. But, I, but it's still a valid <laughs> point, man. Like it's it it's like I I had a long play of it because I didn't have like I was saying I played on a shitty version, so I could barely get the game to function. It was so hard to control. Which once again, not the fault of the game. It's because I'm playing on my phone. But like the long play of this is 20 minutes, like 20 or 30 minutes. Like if you know what you're doing, you can beat the game in under like even if you don't know what you're doing, the game is probably like a two hour long game. Like it's not that long. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. just one of those things where it it you get in and you get out and it's like this perfect length for a game, in my opinion. Or I shouldn't say perfect, but it's a good length at the very least. So I think that's a it's a very I just wanted to bring that up because I, I always find like length of game to be an interesting discussion point and i thought uh you bringing up was interesting so i while i'm still going with zelda I, I i like those points you made all right gentlemen well that brings us to the conclusion of our categorical uh discourse which interestingly enough leads us uh to basically like a a clean split between the two which i oh boy did not expect at all uh but our results look like Critical reception goes to Zelda with a sweep, three to zero. We've got a two-one split um, of personal attachment also going to Zelda. And then on the back half of our categories, uh, the last two go to Kirby, um, a two-to-one in Legacy and a two-to-one in Head-to-Head. -head. So we are we are right down the middle. I don't know what that says about the the final verdict. Probably nothing because <laughs> it doesn't matter. But maybe. Um, and you're going to find that out pretty soon, as soon as we come back from our final break. Turn for one final time for this episode to give you our final verdicts on what we think should be moving on into the semifinals. Is that where we're going? I think Something we're going like to the semifinals, that. right? Am I looking at the bracket correctly? Yeah. Along those lines. <laughs> the next yeah. round. Yeah, moving on at any rate. Um, and whether that should be Kirby's Dreamland 
or Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Is there anyone that would like to go first? I'll go ahead and put the option out there because usually whoever goes last, unless it's just like a total sweep is it's a, it's a lot of pressure to be under. So I'll go last. No, nobody wants to. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you want to go, go last brave. I think brave. Josh is, right. Josh is just going last. Cause I think he knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I guess I'm just going to have Eric go first then. Oh man. So yeah, actually this, I'm, I gotta say I'm pleasantly surprised. First of all, I was not expecting this to be a two, two split. I was honestly, like I said, if you're doing a drive by first glance, like you would just think the obvious answer is Zelda. But, uh, the fact that I, I think we were able to make it competitive and make it an interesting conversation with Kirby and realize that, uh, you know, I think Josh brought up is, is this game. I don't think it's the recognition it deserves for all the things that it did, uh, you know, being on the Game Boy and stuff like that, despite being the 14th best-selling game on the Game Boy. Um, But to me, for all the criteria, I leaned in heavily for for Kirby just because, you know, I do have a lot of personal attachment to it. And I, the, the points that I thought I came up with were, were enough to convince me that Kirby deserved to win those categories. I arrived at my conclusion by thinking about the soul, the essence, the purpose of King of Games, right? What is the meaning? Why are we doing this? Why are we here? Gentlemen, what is the point, right? I still don't know. I still don't know to this to this day why we're here doing this. But when you think about King of Games 1992, you are picking the game that best represents the year 1992. It is the game you hold up in 92 to be represented amongst all the other games from all the other years that are the best from that year. And I assume this will go on forever and we'll eventually do all of them. But that remains to be seen. That's uh, the plan, yeah. Yeah, sure. the, yeah. the content forever, yes. But... <laughs> Uh, as much as I leaned in heavy favor of Kirby throughout this entire episode, the game that deserves to be held up to represent 1992, I think there are only a few of them left in this this tournament. It, it's Link to the Past. I have to give it to Link to the Past because uh, that game is just such such a, a monumental title despite everything that I said in favor of Kirby. Uh, it is the game that deserves to, to move on and, and one of the last remaining games, uh, my personal opinion, in this tournament that could possibly carry the banner of 1992 uh, amongst all the other games that will be decided in the future. So uh, for that reason, I'm going uh, Link to the Past. All right. Well, since Josh volunteered for the final spot, <laughs> I guess I'll take next. Uh, which is nice because usually I get stuck with that. So thank you. No um, problem. Yeah, I, I don't, you know what? Usually I pontificate about this for like a good solid five minutes. Um, <laughs> there have been times where I've had very eloquently written scripts for this particular portion of a King of Games episode. Today is not that day. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to keep this brief and say that uh, as much as I don't necessarily personally think that Link to the Past deserves the like unchallenged praise that it gets from so many people. It, I, I don't think it deserves to be on the pedestal that it's been put on. I would be remiss if I did not recognize how important it is, both to the Zelda series as a whole, having established the formula that worked quite well for them for a very long time and inspired many, many other games to do the same and to, you know, do their own sort of spins on it. And we've gotten a lot of really great games from that. Um, A lot of indie titles and things like that. So 
I would have to say, yeah, it, it, you know, without saying too much, I guess about Kirby, because I, I, I appreciate the fact that we did, I think, give it its due here. And I think it is very important in the ways that mm-hmm. we described, especially with what you two brought up. I'm glad that you did because I, like I said, I didn't think about that. So I'm glad somebody did, but I think it making it here even is a testament to how important it is in this tournament. So I think that's, you know, it's gotten what it needed out of, out of the tournament, but ultimately, I mean, it's pretty fucking hard to compete with something like link to the past and my personal gripes with it aside it's kind it's a little bit of a no-brainer for me so zelda i think should move on and technically it's gonna so but you know what let's hear what josh is gonna say anyway (laughs) i sorry josh no no i uh this i i'll be honest eric you called my bluff i was fully expecting you to go kirby on this (laughs) 100%. 100%. I was expecting you to go Kirby on this, and I was going to have to be the tiebreaker and go with, I mean, let's just say it right now. It's, I'm going with Zelda. Like, I, I think you bring up a good point um, with like what game defines 1992. It's got to be a link to the past. And I'm with you on that chain where I don't think it deserves... To, let me put it this way. From a historical perspective, standpoint it deserves the pedestal it's put on because it's really like, sure. at the time that it came out there was really no other games that did it did anything like that like to that scale um even on a technical aspect like the the like the way they had to make the dark world was apparently such an incredible challenge like on a technical level like nintendo was just firing on all cylinders with that game and as much as i you know when when I say I don't think it deserves the pedestal it's been put on, that's more coming from now. You know, thirty. Oh, I mean, Zelda: Link to the Past is thirty years old this year. It's that's with thirty years of retrospect. You know, playing other Zeldas and playing other games. If I were to go back to that time and look at it, what what it was at the time, I think it actually. I actually think it. It's just it. You have to go with it. It nothing else was like it at the time. So if you're looking at the thing that defines 1992 and gaming up to that point, as much as Kirby did a lot of cool things and a lot of different things, it wasn't nearly as big of a moment for 1992 as Link to the Past was. So you kind of have to go with a Link to the Past, at least in my opinion. So yeah, I, I, that's a clean sweep. Link to the Past, all three. I can't say I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> However, it was not quite the bloodbath that I thought it was going to be. So that's nice. And Kirby won eight rounds or however many it was. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a resilient little puffball, if for nothing else. Well, folks, that means uh, we have reached the natural conclusion of this debate. And it appears Link to the Past will be moving on in King of Games 1992. And so first and foremost, I would, of course, like to thank our other esteemed judges here today. Um, So Eric, Josh, thank you very much. Um, And as we are want to do, and I have to say that on these episodes because Chris fucking steals it on all of our main episodes (laughs) these days. Um, Eric, why don't don't you tell the fine folks where they can find what you do out on the internet? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I just, before I do that though, I just say it was an honor to uh, judge these games alongside you guys, Shane and Josh. I am, uh, huge fans of both of you guys, so this was absolutely awesome to get to podcast alongside the Dick Dragon himself. <laughs> an immense honor. I just I had to get that in there. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, my name is Eric. I host uh, a show called The Unlockables, found wherever podcasts are available. If you'd like to find me, you can just go to linktr.ee forward slash unlockables podcast and find all my good stuff there. And 
and uh, I build my show as the story of video games, the people who play them, and the memories made along the way. So uh, pretty much I just bring guests on to talk about uh, their memories of video games growing up. Uh, Josh has been on the show. I know I've had Chris on the show. Shane, you're next. So uh, I'm going to be bringing that phone call here pretty soon. So get ready for that. But All right. uh, and we just come it. on. And we have a we have a good time. So um, you can you can find me wherever podcasts are available. And uh, yeah, fantastic. All right, Josh, what you got? Uh, so yeah, my name's Josh. I'm the host of the Still Loading podcast. And actually, before I go into a spiel, I just wanted one more final point. Not even not not bringing up any points about the game specifically. I just thought it was kind of cool <laughs> that Eric is a holdover from the previous Kirby podcast. I'm a holdover from the previous Link uh, Zelda podcast. So it really was like this head to head mashup that I don't think was entirely planned, but it kind of worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um. I just I popped in my head felt like shouting out because i thought it was kind of cool but anyway so my show still loading podcast you can find it also wherever good podcasts are given away for free uh you can you know apple google spotify all that good stuff i describe it as a gaming grab bag podcast i don't know how else to really that's kind of uh, the vibe i've been going for or the description i've been kind of feeling at the moment uh i cover you know deep dives and do retrospectives on specific games kind of like what retro hangover does uh but then i also do interviews with game devs and voice actors and uh like other content creators and then i do really weird ideas like i did a couple years ago i had an episode called still loading story time where i had a bunch of people on and we did dramatic readings of video game manuals uh that was entertaining (laughs) and then uh, of course the final fantasy fantasy draft which chris of your hangover was on that is what happens when you take fantasy sports and final fantasy and mash them all up and that's what you get with the final fantasy fantasy draft so yeah still loading podcast you can find it all those places i mentioned oh and uh at still loading pod on social media shenanigans fantastic and as far as we are concerned if you are listening to this then you've already found us so hi and hello we're glad that you're here uh of course if you're listening to this like like early not that you'd know it's early is because <laughs> what is what is time it's a concept. but an illusion but at any rate that probably means you're a patron in which case you know we're forever grateful for that because i still think it's insane that people give us money to do this but if you're going to do it i'm not going to stop you so thank you and uh if you are listening to this on the main feed you too could be an insane person and give us money to do this thing if you'd like and you can find our patreon as well as the merch store and all of our social medias and all that other stuff whether it's the twitch channel where we play games like sometimes okay um or the youtube (laughs) channel where we upload all that stuff so you can watch us play games sometimes okay um or the video you know versions of these episodes if you'd like to do that as well and all of that can be found at our link tree so link tree slash retro hangover that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash retro hangover and uh with all of that i think we're gonna go ahead and close this one out so this has been a fantastic time and we will see you on the next head-to-head match in king of games 1992